All right, Jason is coming up to share today. I don't know what part of James you got. Come walk up. Yes, start walking. There you go. All right, I'm walking up. There you go. I don't know what part of James you got, um, but good luck. You're gonna do great. Break a leg. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Good. All right. Well, yeah, it's an honor to be able to speak this morning, uh, continue the series. PK started a couple weeks ago. Um, haven't you enjoyed PK's yeah. leading and speaking? Seriously. Yeah, it's been really, really good. And uh, the truth is, I, uh, when this whole, you know, kind of sabbatical thing was going on, I, I felt like the Lord spoke a little thing to me to, to share it with PK, and so I shared it with him. And, and then I tacked on, if there's ever, you know, anything I can do to be of help, let me know. And he said, great, can you speak on the 22nd? And I was like, oh, my Lord. I was thinking more like go out to lunch together, church's treat, not mine, <laughs> you know. Uh, maybe give you some tips or something, opinions, just, you know, pop off in general. No, but uh, here I am. So it's an honor. And then he assigned me uh, Two verses, just two verses, and James 126 and 127. And, and I thought, oh, I know James 127, that's easy. Uh, I know that one, so uh, there it is. And, but then I was like, hmm, what's James 126 all about? So then I went home and read it, and there it is, you can read it. Um, I'll read it to you. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. And then verse 27, a religion that God our fathers accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So the first verse, I was like, uh, what is this? Uh, is this an intervention? Is this like a joke from the Lord that I'm the one who has to uh, share this message? Because if you know me, then my mouth can sometimes get me in trouble. And... Uh, so I think it's a little bit of God's irony that I'm sharing about this one this morning. Is that all right? I'm going to get into it. I have to because PK requested that we get into this. So is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. I think this passage really asks us an important question, and that is, are we doing a good job being mature Christians? Are we doing a good job being Christians? Good question to start with, right? Are we? I mean, that's like, there's always room for improvement. Amen. I don't know why, but when I started thinking about this sermon, I thought, just a weird thought popped in my head. What if James, the brother of Jesus, was an eighth grade PE teacher? Now, I, have any of you guys remember eighth grade? Now, I don't know what it was like, like for the youngsters in the room. I don't know what it's like in eighth grade PE now, but uh, back in the 80s when I was in the eighth grade, we still had World War II vets teaching PE class and Korean War vets teaching PE class, and they, were, they would not mess around. So I was like, what would happen if James was, was a PE teacher to me? And uh, I thought, well, you know, we'd all get there. And then it would go something like, hello, class. This year, Miles, shut up back there. <laughs> and then he'd keep talking. I'm going to grade you this year on Miles. 
Do we have a problem? And then you'd keep talking, you'd keep talking. And finally, it would be, Miles, drop and give me 50. And that would be kind of, did your PE teacher operate that way? And then he'd get to his point of first day of class. I'm going to grade you on three things. Can you shut up? That one is for Miles. Can you be kind and helpful to the seventh graders? And can you keep your uniforms clean? And that's James, the PE teacher's version of this, maybe. I don't know. And uh, so that's what my mind went to. And I think it's important for us to think through, we've got to work this stuff out. And uh, Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. We've got to work this stuff out. And, uh, and I, all the fingers, for, honestly, all the fingers are pointing back at me. I'm convicted as I share these things, for real. I think there's a few important facts to think through about this. First of all, this passage is using the word religion. This passage, James 1, 26 and 27, is using the word religion in a positive light. That's interesting. You know, a lot of times we like to be all like, no, we're into relationship. We're not into religion. But he's using this, this uh, word, religion, in a positive structure here. And I know that we like to say that we're in relationship with Jesus, but you know, there's a little bit of a wrinkle there if you say you're in relationship with Jesus and you kind of say you're not into religion. Because the truth is, we are a part of Christian religion. The world would say we're religious people, right? Is that true? Or I mean, that's true, right? You know, if we say we're in relationship with Jesus, there's a little subplot to that, which is I'm in relationship with Jesus. I'm not in relationship with you. You don't say that part, but sometimes we can get that part woven in a little bit. And that's not right. According to this passage, that's not right. We need to ask ourselves, are we being mature Christians? The second thing is I think we need to define the term. What does religion mean? Alistair Begg is a, a pastor and a theologian, and he said it's an outward expression of our internal beliefs. It's the outward activity of what's happened in our heart. And I like that a lot. And then I think what's also important here is to just ask the question, what does this even mean, this first verse, to keep a tight rein on your tongue. Um, could it mean lying? Could it mean gossip? Could it mean exaggeration? Could it mean bragging? Geo-bragging on Facebook? Humble bragging? There's like new forms of this stuff on social media, isn't there? Slander, mockery, undermining authority, ooh. Backstabbing people, being two-faced or duplicitous, saying one thing to somebody, different thing to somebody else and getting it kind of playing too, you know, just being rude. I apologize if this sermon is rude. <laughs> it's not my intention, I promise you. Verbally abusive. Being a fear monger. Just putting fear on people with what you say. I mean, there's, you, the list could go on and on, couldn't it? It's like there's so many things that could be unlocked in just this 
simple passage. And um, Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, or exalted, seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, and each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And I think there's something really, really super powerful in that, that when we see Christ, when we see him, when we really see the Lord and he works deeply in our heart, it's going to affect what we start saying. It has to, right? It has to. Richard Feynman is a, a physicist. He passed away, but he said the first principle is that we must not fool ourselves. And we are the easiest people to fool. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I kind of, like sometimes I just uh, kind of lie to myself. I just, I'm not clear on what's actually what I'm doing and what I'm saying and what's actually going on in my head and my heart. And he is, uh, he's not that I know of a believer, but that is such a profound statement. The first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. I think the question, it really begs, this scripture begs the question, what is behind the speech that is unkind? What, what is it that's going on under the surface? Is it envy or jealousy or unforgiveness, resentment, pride, greed? There's so many things that can go on in our hearts and souls. Anxi- I mean, so many things, anxiety, fear, and it comes out. This kind of comes out, right? And we're easily fooled, and we need to, to do an audit to say, am I seeing things correctly? You guys ever see the SpongeBob episode where uh, he, he has bad breath, so bad, it's melting people's faces off? <laughs> You've seen this one? <laughs> it's melting in cartoon form. You know, it's easy to do that, so he melts people's faces off. But he thinks it's because he's ugly. So he's totally mis- mixed up. Okay, let's watch it. I've got it here for us. Are we ready? Let's do it. I don't know. How long? How long have I been ugly, Patrick? As long as I can remember, you poor, ugly thing, you. Help me! I'm so ashamed! I'm spiraling! I'm spiraling! <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. How long have I been ugly? This has become a joke in our family. Whenever we're sort of self-deceived, we will say this little phrase, and it's sort of a tip of the hat to say, yeah, well, like, we're confused on what we're doing. How long have I been ugly? (laughs) Um, I think we can deceive ourselves, and I think that's sort of the gist of this scripture. Proverbs has a whole set of verses that speak to this, of course. We could look at all of them. A gentle word brings life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. 
Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are as refreshing as a bubbling brook. Nice, right? We can speak life into people just with the power of words. And I, I think a lot of this, to be really candid, is I don't think frequently we understand the power of our words or even our expressions. You know, I, I heard somebody say, and I don't know the exact quote, but it was something like 80 or 90% of communication is not actually your words. It's actually your nonverbal cues. And so, but that goes into this. It has to go into it. Uh, James has got to be saying that our communication has to, um, you know, if we're going to be a mature Christian, it has to be tuned up. And we need to reflect on that. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, we left church and we were going to my in-laws and we stopped at Costco to get some ribs and then we we're going to go to my in-laws' house to hang out with them in the afternoon. And um, so we were walking, Cinnamon and I were walking up and um, she didn't have her Costco card in her purse and she's always the Costco card person between the two of us, you know what I mean? So I was, we were like, oh no. So I dug in my wallet, I found mine, super old Costco card, it's like over 15 years old. And um, so, so, but, you know, you just flash it when you walk in, right? They don't, they don't really look. So I flashed it. But then we got our ribs. We went to the line. And I was like, man, I wonder if this is going to work, you know? And uh, so we go up. And, you know, the lady's checking out. Of course, the order in front of us was like a giant pile, like 900 items. And um, so then it gets to us. The ribs are there. Just that's all we had. And um, so then I hand her my card. And she... She um, said, is, is this all you have, or is all that stuff yours, this other cart behind us? And it was kind of an abrupt tone. And I was like, no, just, just the ribs. And um, then uh, she looked at my card, and she said, you need to go to customer service and get a picture on this card. Like, kind of, I mean, I, and I was like, oh, man. But she, she was like, I'll let you through this time. And so um, I was like, okay. So then... Uh, so then, you know, she does her thing, and the, you know how the keypad pops up, and you enter your PIN card, uh, your PIN number for your debit card? So um, it didn't pop up. So then, you know, I kind of just jammed it in, and then she, then she goes, you've locked it up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. So then I was like, and it, but right when, I had, right when I had started jamming in the second time, it popped up. And so she said, I'm clearing the order. And I said, no, it di I, didn't, I didn't break it. So then... So then I was like done. So you know how in the lines, you just kind of move left. You know, when you're done, you just move left. So I just sort of like, I was done. So I just moved left. And then she kind of timidly handed me the receipt. And so then we're walking away. And, and I, Cinnamon said, are you okay? <laughs> and I said, yeah. Can you believe what a jerk she was? And Cinnamon said, Her? She said, she said, what is wrong with you? And I was like, me? <laughs> and she said, Are you, were you mad that she was talking to that lady before us? And I was like, me? And she said, you seemed very upset the whole time. And I was like, me? 
And so we left, and then we were with McKenna and in-laws, and we had basically what you might call a two-hour discussion about me. (laughs) (laughs) And it really directly relates to this verse, basically. And I think McKenna, my middle daughter, hello, McKenna, she's watching from University of Hawaii, by the way. Her birthday's tomorrow, so everybody give a shout-out to McKenna. Don't sing, don't sing, no, no, no singing, but, cause that, but happy birthday. We love you. <laughs> McKenna said at one point, Dad, you don't manage your aura very well. <laughs> I started laughing. I was like, that's the hippiest new age thing I've ever heard. But it's kind of awesome. You don't manage your aura very very well. And um, she said, a lot of times you have an aggressive aura. And I was like, aggressive aura? Me? And uh, so that kind of became, I think what we got down to was, frequently I can have an aggressive aura. And I honestly was, I was serious about the issue because in that interaction with that lady, I did not feel like I had an aggressive aura. And I was just not clear. And Cinnamon was kind. Isn't it nice to have a spouse that you've been married to for 25 years that can point these things out? Yes. And so she, she called me on it. And God called me on it. And McKenna called me on managing my aura. And, um, and I think that's an important thing. So I said to myself, I'm going back to Costco. I'm going to show the Jesus version of Jason. I'm going to manage my aura as Jesus would manage his aura. And I'm going to go back to customer service and be the nicest guy. I'm going to be the nicest possible customer they've had all day and do my absolute level best. So I was already like, okay, I'm just going to be happy. You know, be happy going in. Whatever she says, I'm going to just kind of joke and have fun. So we got there, customer service lady. uh, You know, we got in line. She said something. I kind of made her laugh-ish. And I was like, okay, this is great. So we had a good time. When You know, I had to have my picture taken. So I was kind of goofing around like, Um, just to make her laugh. And then she was like, okay, here we are. We're all set. And this is my new photo. (laughs) Now, I don't think I have a Hitler mustache (laughs) right now, do I? I, Like, did she Photoshop it in like 10 seconds? And um, so I will forever remember when I go to Costco, when I'm flashing my Costco card, looking at the back at that picture, that I need to manage my aura. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Is this sufficient on verse 26? Can we move on? Please let me move on. Oh, man. It, it, you got to admit, that's a pretty hilarious picture, right? <laughs> James 1.27, of course, is one we're more familiar with. And um, it is, of course, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows 
in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I think a few key things pop out immediately uh, for me. Um, Obviously, this is not a complete list of the works of service that Christ has called us to. So that's sort of just obvious, right? It is not just the Christian mission to look after orphans and widows. There's a lot longer list. And I think the other thing that stands out to me is that there are at least three whole sermons right in this verse. The first one is, how do we turn orphans into heirs? The fatherless into faithful believers. I, honestly, there's an epidemic of fatherless in this, fatherlessness in this country, isn't there? I mean, it's just amazing. The percentage of kids now that are growing up without a father. Um, I was raised in a house in that situation. Uh, it's devastating. And uh, that's a whole sermon in there. Second, the second sermon could be, how do we rally around widows and single moms and really show them the love of Christ and help them in their situation? If there's a fatherless epidemic in the U.S., then there's a single mom epidemic in the U.S., isn't there? There is. There is. And uh, the third sermon would be the real barn burner, (laughs) which would be how do we keep ourselves holy in a world that seems completely and totally lost? What is real holiness versus legalism or petty religious rules? That sermon, actually all three of those, I will leave to PK. (laughs) Because uh, that's heavy water. I mean, that's deep water. That's heavy-duty stuff. But it's important. I think it's, it's all right there, isn't it? The year before I was going into kindergarten, I'll never forget. It was like, well, you know, four years old, just before kindergarten. I had three older siblings, a two-year-old older brother, four-year-old older brother, and a six-year-old older sister. And so when I was four, it was just my mom and me. And it's as odd as it sounds, I totally remember that year. Like, I remember going and doing stuff, and I don't know if I was just deprived of attention or whatever, probably, but um, I remember it was just a, a fun time. And one of the things that I remember doing was she would go and deliver food through Meals on Wheels. Are you familiar with that program? It's for elderly shut-ins, and they go and deliver uh, food. And uh, I remember... <clears throat> I literally remember this when I was like four years old, being in the car, looking at the house before we went in. And I remember my mom just like gave me a little pep talk. And the gist of it was, was just be nice and and try to make them smile. And um, so I kind of had my job, you know. And I remember going into uh, the house and I remember the smell of it. It just smelled like old, like old people, you know what I mean? And I remember... No, with no disrespect. I'm old. I smell, I'm sure. Um, everybody's house smells. Okay, that's a total sidetrack thing. But um, So I remember they had these little poodle dogs, and there was poop on the floor. And I remember going in, and, but I had my job, you know? Like my job was to, you know, just make them laugh or smile. I didn't have any, I didn't have any prepared remarks similar to today. Uh, and I so, but I just smiled. And I remember, though, that we left and 
And that was, that was 44 years ago. I still remember that smell. I still remember that experience. And I got to tell you, I'm really super glad. My mom demonstrated that it was about holiness and helpfulness. Yeah? You with me? It was about good news and good deeds. Yeah? It was about right beliefs, and that's important, but also right behavior. Both those things. You get it? You with me? It's like a two-edged sword or like whatever the metaphor is. It's those two things. Holiness and helpfulness, good news and good deeds, right beliefs and right behavior. I can tell you this, that for 2,000 years, I mean, like a lot of us like to geek out over Scripture. A lot of us like to really go deep and unearth the heavy-duty stuff. And I, you know, no disrespect to that. I have a BA in biblical studies, and the, everybody who's a Bible teacher says that's enough to be dangerous. That's all you got. Um, but what I think happens a lot of times is we want to demonstrate Christian maturity by information. We want to say, oh, I know a fact here about the Greek or whatever, and that is as if we're mature. And that is just not what James is saying. I mean, it's clearly not. And it can't be how the church for 2,000 years has grown. Because for 2,000 years, most of the people were illiterate, right? I mean, if you think back from like Roman era, not many people, had, nobody had the Bible until Gutenberg. You didn't read Latin or whatever. It couldn't have been all about theology. It had to be about helpfulness. It had to. That's ha- that has to be the way the church grew. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's go. Um, Jesus said this, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. That you believe the right things? No. That you love one another. That you love one another. James is going to go on in the next you know, chapter to really hit this hard. This is just the, this is the foray into the topic. James chapter 2, he goes even deeper into this, and he basically says, faith without works is dead. We've all heard that phrase before. Matthew 25 is really Jesus' thesis on this whole idea, where he said, he said, come, you blessed by my Father, and this is in the context of describing the, the two sides of this. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you, not there, visited me. It has to be visited me, right? Okay, sorry. Um, Let's keep going. Um, Matthew 5.14 says, let your light shine before men or others that they might see your what? Your what? Your good deeds. And glorify your Father in heaven. Just a couple thoughts on this. And um, I'm going to share a couple more stories and then we're done. Jesus anoints, respects, and blesses even the smallest act 
of service. Let me say that again. Jesus anoints, respects, and blesses even the smallest act of service. Matthew 10, 42 says, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water because he's my disciple, truly I say to him, you will by no means lose your reward. Number two, he's got a unique expression of love and service for each of us to live out. Now, here's the thing about it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not down on group programs. We're leading one, the So Powerful Purse program that's become a global program. In fact, on November 13th, commercial break, we will be unboxing hopefully 12,500 purses that will come in this year. Yeah. For girls in Zambia who are skipping school on their periods, and we give them the supplies they need to stay in school all month. And so we need your help. Sorry, did I say November 13th? November 13th, Wednesday night at 6 p.m., we could use as many people helping us box up the stuff as possible and get it all ready. Um, I'm not against group programs at all, obviously, but I think Ephesians 4.11 outlines it really clearly. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers, that's called the fivefold ministry, to equip his people for works of service. For what? Works. works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. How many of you know we're not even close to that yet? I mean, come on, right? We got to keep working on this. And in the knowledge of his son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every what? Supporting ligament. Grows and builds itself up in love. As what now? This is important. As each one does his part. We're not all supposed to do the same thing. I honestly believe this. God has anointed you with a unique anointing to do a unique thing, to express and demonstrate his love. He's done that for each of us, and we all have different skill sets. And you know what? When you're in your wheelhouse with your skill set, with his anointing on your life, you're unstoppable. And it can be the small, amen? The smallest little thing. I'm going to get anointed here in a minute. If you keep clapping, all right, let's do this. It can be the smallest little thing. And a lot of times we want to obsess over big things. We want to, our ego gets involved and we want to be like, oh, it's a, that's a big thing. And I like that because it's big. But that's exactly opposite of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying it's the littlest thing. And I think the reason is because, like, if you're doing something for the Lord, what is your goal? Okay, what about, what about in the relationship with the person who you're serving? To, to bring them closer to Christ and plant, start planting that Okay, what do you want them to see? Jesus, right? You want them to see Jesus. And so it's, is that spiritual or is that physical? Is that supernatural? So the question is, if you're doing something that Jesus has to show up in a supernatural way, does he need it to be a big, huge thing? Nope. Does he need it to be some enormous 
program? Or is it just a little thing that you can do? And he's going to show up. He's got you. He's got the anointing part of it. All he needs us to do is do the cold water. Do the humble service. Can I get an amen? Amen. I, uh, I got a good one for you guys. Um, when, how many went on the adult mission trip? When Jordan got back, he was really high on how it went and excited. And it was just, you know, when you get in the car after you pick up for the airport. Where'd Jordan go? Is he here? Yeah. And, um, and, and I'm really proud of him for going on the mission trips. Yeah. For real. And, um, and so, and now that I've mentioned everyone in my family except Liberty, my youngest daughter, I will say I'm so proud of Liberty. <laughs> so, just want to make sure. I, okay. Anyway. Was that something I shouldn't have said? I don't know. Okay. Um, Jordan got back from, okay, mission trip. Jordan got back from the adults' mission trip. And um, so he was like, what happened and all this stuff? And I was like, what did you do? Like, what did you do on the trip? And he said, you know, mostly what we did was just pick up the trash. And when we were, I was driving, and, you know, I thought for a moment, I thought in my head, that's all? You picked up the trash? And God busted me so hard. And he really, he spoke to me and said, hey, Miles, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I was like, that's amazing. You know, I was at this last Tuesday, like a week ago, I was at the, there's a program called C3 Leaders. It's like Christian business guys that get together in Auburn. And we, were at, we do lunches every other Tuesday. And one of the guys um, does a Bible study at Muckleshoot Indian Reservation, and he's done it for 10 years. And so he, afterwards, we were walking out together, and um, was, that came up in some context, and I said, oh, my son and just went on a trip, a missions trip to the Crow, is it called Crow Nation? Is that the right thing? Crow, Crow Nation. And, um, and so then, he, and he just interrupted, he, he kind of jumped in and said, oh, the Muckleshoot leaders, got, they went too. He said, you know, they came back, and they were talking about a church that just went to clean up and pick up the trash, and it was, they were just so, like, impressed that a church would do that. And I was like, I was like, that's my boy, that's my boy. That's our church. That, and, you know, right when he said that, I was driving, then I left, and I was, and God just hit me again. He was like, you see, just shut up. <laughs> do the small thing. Do the small thing. And uh, isn't that cool? Yes. I mean, total God thing, man. Just, and, and I was just blown away. Isaiah, yeah, I'm wrapping it up. Is that a big <laughs> yawn over there? <laughs> Matthew 18 says, I'll go quick. Well, let me just cut to the chase. Those who will receive one such little child as this in my name, will by no means, uh, who, in my name, receiveth me. Sorry, I botched the deal. Those who receive a child in my name receive me. Here's the mystery, guys. Jesus, talking to us, says, I want you to see me in the poor. 
in the orphan, in the widow, as you serve them. But then he also turns around and then when those people see us coming, what does he want them to see? He wants them to see himself, doesn't he? Isn't that an amazing mystery? Like he's, he's playing both sides. <laughs> he is, totally. Which is totally awesome. We need to see Christ as we serve others, including each other. And we always, you know how it is. You don't want to serve people who you know because you know they're jerks or whatever. <laughs> right? It's so hard to serve people who you know. That's the enemy. What Jesus is saying is, you need to bend that knee. You need to serve. You need to humble yourself. Um, that's it. That's it. Well, let me just share one final story. Uh, and then I feel like the Lord wants to do some ministry this morning and really speak to some people. Um, there is a girl in uh, Albania a long time ago. Her name was Angie's, and she felt called to be a missionary. By the time she was 12, she really felt a burden because she had heard missionaries come to her, her church. And by 18, she left. And she went to be in missions. She was uh, trained to be a teacher and then ultimately became a principal at a middle school in India. And she did that for 20 years. But every day she would walk to her assignment, she would walk by the worst slum in Calcutta. And she would just go to her job and walk back and forth, but every time she would go, she would pray for the, the folks in the slum. For eight years she did that. And finally, in September 10th, 1946, she received what she called her call within her call. And that call was to go and live among the poor and serve them. She um, applied to the Vatican to allow her to change her role, and the Vatican said, no, uh, you can't do that. That's crazy. What a, they don't mind not have said that. but They said, write back in a year if you still feel the burden and request again. And a year later, she wrote back and requested again. A year later, when she got approval, she went into the slum in Calcutta with five rupees and a bar of soap. Now, in today's conversion rate, that's like 71 to a dollar. That's two cents and a bar of soap. She said the first year was incredibly hard. She didn't have any place to stay. She begged for food for herself to survive. And the whole time she said she was just thinking, why don't I go back to the middle school principal job? But she felt super called, convicted, anointed and appointed to be there doing that work. And she didn't stop. One of the girls, after a couple years that she had helped, came back and said, I would like to also serve the poor with you. And she said, no, go away. This is too hard of a life. I wouldn't want it for anyone. And the girl said, I can't. God's called me. And so she applied to have a religious order created in the Catholic Church called the Missionaries of Charity. Her followers began to come and follow her. 
they would take a vow of chastity, poverty, obedience, which by itself is a big vow, just being obedient to <laughs> leaders. And the fourth vow was to give wholehearted free service to the poorest of the poor. Today, there are over 28 million Christians in India. When she started, there were 8 million. And you probably figured out along the way she changed her name to Mother Teresa. And I got to tell you, you might not agree with her theology. But I'm pretty sure if we look at James chapter 26 and 27, she's got that on lockdown. Had it on lockdown. Now there are over 4,500 people who are part of Missionaries of Charity taking the vow of poverty to live amongst the poor. And they have all kinds of homes for blind, lepers, HIV, AIDS patients, the dying, hospice, on and on and on. I think our summary this morning is pretty much simply this. And, uh, you know, guys, if you want to come, I, the Lord put a song on my heart that I just want to have them plunk out and I don't know if we'll sing it or not, but it just sort of, I think, is the one that speaks to me. And that's the David Crowder song. Um, summarizing verse 26 and 27. Do our words honor Christ and represent him well? Do we express care for others? And are we keeping ourselves unstained by this world? Can I get an amen? amen? Why don't we stand together this morning? I really do feel like maybe we'll take a few minutes and just pray. Um, guys, you can just, just plink it out however you want to do it. Um, I really believe that God's got a call for each one of us as it relates to service. He's got something that he wants us to do. It might be the homeless guy begging on the corner. It might be to girls in desperate slums in Africa. It might be to meth addicts. It might be to people in jail. It might be to foster care kids. It might be to vets returning with PTSD. It might be elderly shut-ins. It might be your neighbor. It might be somebody sitting next to you. I, I honestly believe Christ has a, a spiritual purpose for every single one of us that is powerful and has got his full anointing behind it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we just think lots of pastors as a church where the Lord is really going to show up. I honestly believe he's got acts of service for us to do that is going to have his full anointing on it to make a difference in people's lives for every single one of us. And um, this morning, I, I just feel like, you know, if there's something in, he's put on your heart, maybe it's verse 26 stuff, maybe it's verse 27 stuff. Let's take a minute and pray together. Is that all right? And I'm going to ask PK to come up as well and to uh, help kind of lead us. And, um, and I, I, I want us to take a minute to let God speak to our hearts. Because he loves us. He loves us. He loves us. The 
Lord, we're coming to you this morning and we're asking to have you help us get stuff right in our lives, get our words right, get our hearts right. If we've got these hidden issues going on, unforgiveness, jealousy, if we're just insecure and it's not right that we're insecure, we ask that you deal with it this morning, Lord. If there are people who are struggling and it comes out in their words, maybe they're just careless and I, I, I like me. God, I pray that you minister to us this morning. I pray that you minister to us this morning. Let's just sing this chorus, and as we do, let's just let the Lord speak to our hearts, and then I'll just ask PK to kind of take it from there. Um, somehow. thank you for loving us. And God, we want what we want. God, we, we want others to have. God, we want our neighbors to know that you love them. That you care for them. That you're there for them. God, we want our co-workers and on a bigger picture, our neighborhoods and our, our towns and our cities. God, we want you to be famous in these places. And the way you're going to do that, God, is you're going to use us. So help us, Jesus, to obey you, to listen to you, and to do what you ask us to do. And the church said, amen. So some of you this morning might say, man, what a great message. And I was having this discussion with Dana yesterday that I have not been, like, less interested in the Mariners this year at all because, you know, oh, come on. But but that message today, I actually Grand Slam home run, Jason. And so we get to, we still get to see home runs and and some of you might be challenged today. Some of you already you're you're grooving, you're you're doing already. But some of you might hear messages like that, man, I don't even know I want that for me and I want to do that. But I don't even know where to start. And so it paralyzes us. 
So I don't even know where to start. So can I just challenge you this morning? This is where to start. Pick up trash. Seriously, it's, it's that simple. Do the little things. Do the little things around your workplaces that nobody will do. You do it. It's not even in your job description. But just do it. And someone might ask you, why are you doing that? Hey, because I'm in a relationship with God. And he's just calls me to serve people. And so serve people. Would you do that? That's how we start, by serving people, loving on people. Seeing people the way Jesus sees them. And we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. James really gets serious. And he says, man, we look at people with just crazy judgmental eyes. And he wants us to take those glasses off. And he wants us to really see people the way he sees people. And it's radical. Might make some of us mad. Makes me mad. And myself. So God is doing things in you and around you. Let's join him. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing Sunday. Can you love one another and serve one another? We do have, I want to say this. Another thing, some of you that have been around for a while, we have a spot open for third and fourth grade boys. And come on, let's fill that spot. Those boys are worth investing in. Amen. Amen. So sign up. Amen. God bless you.